0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. I am James McSorley. As usual, I'm joined by Mark Schofield. And yeah, just before this podcast, he said he needed to have a couple of minutes because he had a nappy to change. And I imagine he's here clean and ready to go. Mark, how's it going?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm always clean and ready to go, man. You know me. So let's get into this. We've got a guest with us and. This guest came about in unorthodox fashion.
0: You mean we asked him several times?
1: Well, kind of, but then (laughs) he, he, he didn't get back to us or we never took him up on it And anyway. So he's here because, try as I might, when I try and keep us on the straight and narrow and with minimal controversial opinions, all the way to the point of not really saying anything interesting ever.
0: Hey, that sounds like me.
1: James just can't but help dive in and start flinging strays at anybody who will listen and eventually we were going to ruffle some feathers and with feathers ruffled and here to defend his team's honour, Jack Perry of London Titans, how's it going man?
2: Hello, consider my feathers ruffled, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not ruffled but yes, I'm, I'm very good, thank you for having me, I very much appreciate it.
0: Thanks for being here, man. We appreciate yeah. it. This is something we, like all jokes aside, wanted to do for a while anyway. So we said we'd have you on after Premier Playoff Finals and we also happened to be in the same hotel in Cologne. it sounds say... like a coincidence, but <laughs> 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 we're also just both with our national team.
2: Yeah. Well, why? What are you doing here? What are you up um, to do?
0: I don't know. Handling out water. What about you? <laughs> Pretty similar. Yeah, <laughs> very but yeah, so we normally start this podcast with the exact same question. So, but I'll start with a different one for you. What's it like being the nicest man in the world?
2: <laughs> uh, I did not know this is going to start like this. Um, okay, no, I'll start it differently. <laughs> so, Perry, how did you get started in wheelchair basketball?
1: Before Before we get properly into it, we we dance around it, but we'll let Perry have his opening statement because I believe his exact words on this were he at least gets right of reply. Is that what you said, Perry?
2: right of reply is that what I went with I can't remember I was yeah seeing, that was your I'll see him red in a fit of rage I can't even I remember so. what I was talking about
1: <laughs> so for people who for people who haven't been reading your Instagram direct messages with the bench units account for themselves do you want to tell people why you're here um
0: we asked you to be here. <laughs> but
2: once again, yeah, I was uh, a heavily requested uh, guest, so here I am. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> I play for London Titans and felt that they got a little bit of a hard time uh, on a recent podcast. So I thought I'd um, come in and defend some of my, my teammates' honour as a... Well- if, if you
1: think you got a little bit of a hard time just you wait for this episode
2: yeah i did you know what i very I very quickly realized the way that that this will uh turn out so but i'm very happy to do that i'm I'm happy to be on the end of that so let, let's let's get it going i'm trying so hard to not let it turn into
0: that
1: because i hate that what,
0: yeah, when, do you,
1: say, when do you say very quickly how quickly is or how recently did you realize that are we talking like seconds or days um multiple seconds somewhere in between Yeah. Okay. That's not too bad. That's not best, yeah. best. Right. Should we all get right,
0: rolling? Cool. Yeah. Perry, how did you get started in the game of wheelchair
2: basketball? Please. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: I think similar to, to a lot of people, I was, uh, well, I, I developed my disability, which is Perthy's um, disease in my right hip when I was eight years old. So um, I was a sporty kid, played cricket, football, your classics, and then um, got this hip disability, which meant I could no longer do those things. So um, my dad, um, was desperate for me to find something else and, um, found wheelchair basketball, took me a couple of times and I, <laughs> you what sorry, Mark. To get you out of the house. Basically. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I do remember not, not enjoying it the first few times, but I think that's, I think that's probably where, cause you go from being, I was quite good at football and cricket. And then I was obviously the worst person at, at the session that I was at as a eight year old, you know, at my first wheelchair basketball session. And I think that basically just pissed me off a bit. Um, Wait, I can swear on this path. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: piss, piss, being pissed off isn't really swearing, but I would try and keep it clean what? so I don't need to edit it. Sorry, I should have told you that before. Okay. You're a media professional. I thought you would kind of...
2: Well, it depends what media I'm on. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, we kids might listen to this. We have no idea. We don't know if anyone listens to this. The algorithms <laughs> might just lie to us. Um, were you kind of resistant to a disability sport in the beginning? Was it tough to kind of jump from being a good footballer?
2: Um, I think for me, I was just... I, It's it's hard to kind of, at that age, I think, know exactly what my first impressions were. But from from what I remember, just being fascinated by it, that this whole, like, world exists. I remember that my real, like, eye-opening moment was going to nationals, where I probably started to see the likes of yourself, James, and Mark, and and seeing someone like Harry, Harry Brown. I remember seeing him from a very young age because he's been about forever. Um, So, like, I just remember seeing, like, you know, this whole world open up before me being like, wow, yeah, you know, I want to be a part of this. I want to be good at this. Let's see if I can be. Yeah, me and you just in the
0: like eleventh place playoff games because we're the only good players for either of the people to played for. That was the usual. Me and Perry. I, ha- I have on a one.
1: couple of me- memories of Perry going back to junior nationals. It? The all the early ones. Are you with your unfortunate little emo hair that you had at the time?
2: I seem to all remember three you, of I, was, had I was just going to say, I'm pretty certain 90% of us, like 11 year old boys had similar haircut. Yeah, right. no, we, we,
0: all three of us went through the exact same, we have, we lived the same lives. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I only got rid of that hair like six weeks ago. So, like, I get to laugh at people who who had it because I, I stuck with it past the point of it being cool. Um,
0: <laughs> you give it up for one little, your one little thing and you shave your head, your yeah, marketing buzz cut now uh, for everyone who's listening.
1: But yeah, my other memory, Perry, this is a deep cut that I don't even know if you'll remember, but at the time when we it was probably like one of our last couple of years, and the team that you were playing for, was it East, England East? Is that who you were?
2: Yeah, uh, we, we we did go through a rebrand where we were East Rising Suns for a little bit, which was uh, particularly
1: <laughs> It might be that, but you had <laughs> had a new a new player who I think it was his first tournament, and every time you passed in the ball he said thanks. <laughs> 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 I can't believe I've made it this far, like being around the sport. And I've, ne- I've only ever known that that's to amazing. be the case once. It's like, man, there's, like I, so, there's some unfortunate disabled kids out there, but I've never seen that.
2: <laughs> I do have a vague recollection of that. I don't know if that's a damning indictment on, on my uh, bull hogging at <laughs> that point that they felt I, they needed to thank me whenever yeah, it happened. Uh, I
1: specifically game. remember you telling me about it during the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the guy subbed in and you were like, hey, watch this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so funny hey if you're listening that's great manners are important i hope they're
2: still doing if they're still playing and i really hope they're still doing it
0: that's so funny because this guy's probably in his mid-20s at this point but yeah must be polite um but yeah so who were the early influences in your game whether that's like players you looked up to or coaches
2: or whatever um i think you know it's probably that same you know as a kid when you grow up like it's that first um we get to a national tournament where you get to see the other players in the country and not just like in your immediate area that really kind of like opens your eyes. Um, Like I said, and then I I feel at that point it was when I, I spoke to people who knew more about the world of wheelchair basketball beyond, you know, the United Kingdom. Like I didn't really know much about that until I started, you know, going to these competitions and again, probably speaking to people like yourselves and finding out about, you know, the players who exist across the world and who are some of the best players in the world but i guess like growing up in you know great britain you can you can't not look at kind of terry bywater like was you know as a four and a half um, someone who I immediately spotted and was like, wow, who, this guy's good. Um, yeah. Decent. <laughs> I wonder, is he, is, he,
0: is he anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy could, this guy yeah.
2: could go somewhere, I think. Um, so, well, You'd yeah. already been to nine Paralympics <laughs> thing, 20 years ago. Before I'd started playing, yeah. Um, but genuinely, I think people, like when I was a, a kid, like turning up and seeing literally like someone like Harry Brown, what he did in his chair, you know, like likes of like, even like... Um, players that, that in the similar age group, like Phil, Phil Pratt, Billy Bridge, anyone who was like at that age group was like, wow, these are the best players in our age group at that period of time. Just kind of makes you um, see what's possible in the game, like very early on. So then you you slowly try and replicate those things. But um, I also remember, I remember going to um, London Uh, Paralympic games to go and watch like for the first time I think not my first time watching really high level basketball person but like obviously in that arena and that stage like just being like you know that's a whole whole different scenario Um, and everyone in that team I would say like feels a bit vague but like even like you know like Ian Sager at that point I remember just seeing like this guy's like just being like wow this is like the physicality that is capable in this game is just unbelievable and that's something to strive towards, I guess.
1: Yeah. Is that when you made the decision to go and get jacked?
2: (laughs) I don't think I've made that decision, yeah. He did that
0: the day his parents decided on his name. (laughs) (laughs) You're all welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's been James.
1: Change, Change gears a little bit, Perry. Is there anybody at the moment that you're... Obviously, you mentioned kind of those guys who were key in your growing your knowledge of the game. Is there anybody you've noticed a bit more recently or that you're studying at the moment and trying to pick a couple of moves from, or do you think you just do your own thing now?
2: Um, I think, I think if you kind of, if you get to a point in your career where you're not willing to learn off anyone and you think you can just do your own thing entirely, then I don't know. I I think there's stuff to learn from um, everyone across the world. I, I think like worship arts was such a unique sport that everyone finds, um, a very specific way to play the game. Um, I mean, we, we talk about it at these like training camps we've been to this summer, particularly like Lee Fry just doing some stuff in his chair and with the ball that you're just like, What, like, how does that happen? Um, alien, yeah. And every time I am you know, I'll scream Harry Brown like 17 times a session, it feels like because you just don't understand what he's doing <laughs> out there. Um, and he probably doesn't either, yeah. You can't him. steal that, stuff, you, okay. yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. These are these are not people that I'm trying to, um. <laughs> uh yeah copy cuz it's impossible but um i say like outside of gb i guess players like um i've been really enjoying watching sabri um from benzetti, italy benzetti yeah. yeah i think his physicality and the way he plays like with intensity just 24/7 just i love i love watching him at the moment um, did you pick
1: him specifically to needle james after their um
2: yeah, he showed us yeah he, he certainly did actually <laughs> um <laughs> well if i if you if i know what's coming later then i've got to start somewhere I yeah there you go you, you've got to start getting them in early start with the job that was the job early <laughs> yeah, and then i'll be backing away very quickly later <laughs> oh. um and then who else was i gonna say then um I really like or just having played against him at Euro Cup as well. Um, is Efiturk from Ismir as well? Um yeah. And yeah, I a similar type of thing. Very powerful off the off his first person. Yeah, I like the way he plays the game. I guess those are also players who are in a similar age bracket to me. So um, yeah, it's always good to pick up like things they're doing with their game at this stage in their career and stuff. So um, yeah, I guess those are ones that come to, just come to my head without uh, spending too much time thinking about it. Sure. I was
1: say, we could have set set homework on this one, but it's probably not not the spirit of getting guests in, otherwise people are going to start turning us away.
2: <laughs>
0: but um one thing that you hear people talking about a lot in terms of able-bodied running, like running basketball, is the thing of like someone who started off playing as a guard and then had a growth spurt. But we've got it written down here that not many four or five start out playing as a guard, but you kind of did, but yeah, I'm still but, waiting for that growth spurt. Though. Yeah, there you go. You just stand <laughs> up. You just stand up, mate. No, it's fine. Um, but what sort of effect do you think that's had on your development um, before and now since moving to be a max height guy?
2: Yeah, I, it's interesting. I do. I I very much vividly remember, like as a as a kind of like a nine ten year old running around in my my like, tiny red chair, sat low and just basically learning how to pass into my um, AB forwards who were mm. just following curls in and just spending a lot of time working on that. Um when I first started the game. But yeah, I guess, you know, I, I guess that's helped in a sense. Like I'd like to think my my ball handling passing skills have, have been fairly decent for a while. Um, so I suppose, you know, playing in those different roles and learning different aspects of the game from the moment you start playing is only gonna have a positive effect later on. I suppose the negative of that is that although as we've kind of alluded to here, I'm not the biggest guy on court, like you don't learn that um inside okay. game from sure. an early stage either so sure. um there's kind of uh yeah positives and negatives to it I suppose yeah I think they're more four or five yeah, but I they're think... based than not at this
0: point then mm. so it's not really That's,
2: yeah it's not a rare
0: thing it's not it? an yeah. Issue. yeah it's not like oh what's this guy doing out there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also being a four or five from GB as well like if you've got a, a long line of guys that are like, I oh, know I can be out here I could shoot fine. yeah yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think um it's an interesting one because our most recent guest before you, Perry, was Tom McHugh, who obviously still super young guy, but he talked about how he you know, got in his chair from day one and was the biggest guy out there. And they are like, hey, we'll throw you the ball, shoot it. Well, <laughs> once you catch the ball, shoot it because nobody can touch you. So I think those two like ways of coming up, I think you can definitely see it in your game. And like there's a lot of four or five bigs who are shooters. There's less four or five bigs who James said perimeter there, but there's less guys who are kind of ball handlers in style of play, I think. There's a lot of guys who just want to be set up. But I think you've been, obviously, max height for a good handful of years now. Mm-hmm. And do you do you think you got to a point, you kind of alluded to the growth but not kicking in when you needed it, but do you think you got to a point where you were like, if I'm going to uh, be taking this seriously and need to move up a level that the four point five guard thing, you know, was was not going to get you there.
2: Yeah, I think I think when I was kind of like, I remember I remember getting a an almost max height chair when I was like kind of fifteen, sixteen, and then very quickly realizing that, that this is not it's not going to put me in good stead for future years of my career. Um, I remember, yeah, asking it, you know, you learn as you grow up. I remember asking like a couple of coaches that I can think of. You are like, should I? You know, should, do you think I should go max height? And they'd be like. No, not yet, I don't think. And then like a year later being like, yeah, I think you should have gone max height. It's like, all right, cheers. Thanks for yeah. that. Like, it's not It's not like I've spent four grand on this chair and <laughs> desperately <laughs> tried to get grants from wherever I could. Yeah. They come around every year. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I do remember genuinely being a bit frustrated about that at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you kind of got to, you can't, you can't be a mismatch as a four or five and I'm probably as close to that as you can get. But yeah. <laughs> I like to think that I can um, at least contest, contest yeah. most of, Most of the guys out there, even someone like Tommy McHugh, which, and yeah, I'm very impressed with his, his shooting touch, I guess, like for someone who's, who like you say is big and just been chucked the ball and told to like finish off. He he looks like he's got like really good hands and his um, release is just so high. And I think you kind of said it on the show at the time, like when you're that big, you can just kind of shoot from anywhere. And there's not that many guys who are going to be able to get near you unless they're stopped, backed up and fully set up to, to kind of contest you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, well, you
1: best get yourself, if you want to be contesting a shots, so you best get yourself another grant and another chair with a, a bit of a
2: wedge in the seat or something. Yeah, I can do another whole another chair on top of mine, I reckon. I still really, want to get that close.
0: just a really tall mullet. Um, <laughs> but, so, yeah, we're going to jump forward to sort of where you are now, and then we're going to go back through the history for some reason. But, um, yeah. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about your career choices and being one of the guys one of the few guys in GB at least that's balancing having a real job and contributing to society with playing a kid's game for money so um (laughs) yeah you've been one of the few I think you're probably the only guy that has a real job that's here right now but Mm. was that something that you
2: wanted to do or is it just kind of how it's worked out um yeah so it's an interesting question I've uh, you know I've kind of talked about this a lot with various different people in my life to get different advice and and all sorts um but i think the way i guess the way my life ended up just falling lent its to the decisions i made so i guess some context to that is that i finished my degree when i was 21 um my undergraduate degree and um that was when the centralized program started in um gb in sheffield which uh, a lot of the guys came back from abroad so the likes of george Bates and uh, Phil uh, and I came back um, a, a load of guys um, and we had a really good set up yeah. there and you know um, I, I loved that that year um, but I do remember feeling in that year I don't know whether it was just because I'd just finished studying and was like oh this is my life now like what what happens what do I do with my like my whole entire life up to the age of 21 had been very education focused and I'm someone who has you know, enjoyed education um, and found I excelled in certain parts of that as well. So I wanted to to continue doing that and found that like um, mentally, and I'm sure a lot of players have this, well, I know a lot of players who I've spoken to have this as well, where if you don't have something to focus your energy on outside of basketball, um, start to put, too much emphasis and too much pressure on every aspect of your game and your training and you have one bad session and it feels like the absolute end of the world and you go home and it's like right all I'm thinking about is my next session and and that's great in some aspects because it's you know a sole focus and that's all you want to do but for me personally the way that my brain works is that I need to kind of like switch off from that and I think probably everyone does to some extent I don't know about yourself like James sorry I'm looking at James. Yeah uh, it's fine the I games.
0: have found that I have had periods in my I've been lucky enough to be kind of just doing just this for just this for five, six years now. Mm-hmm. And I've found that I've had periods where I've had other things to focus on and I felt great about it. And then I've also had periods where I've been doing nothing but playing basketball. And there within that there have been periods that have been really rewarding because you can just focus on basketball and you can do it right. But then also just as you say, as soon as you have a bad one your whole life's down the it feels like um i remember getting that piece of advice from our old performance lifestyle advisor and she was basically like if you only do one thing and it's not going well it feels like your life's not going well and that's not true um because you only have four hours a day if you're playing most teams that play pro will probably train twice a day Mm -hmm. shoot once and you might go to the gym and whatever in there but yeah you're kind of not doing anything but that and yeah you don't really have any scope and also just it's an absolute privilege to have the free time to develop some of that stuff so you should have interest off-court just as a human yeah because it's mental to be all in on one thing Uh, yeah it's not good for you
2: it yeah you're right just develops you as a person as well outside of that you know at some point in your life you're going to have to have skills outside of basketball to um to live in this in this world um but I guess like after that year I spent full like full-time training for that year. I then decided I wanted to study masters. Um, so I did that. Um, and then basically I've, I've actually spoken to a couple of people who have been here about this, but like, I think as I finished my masters, that would have been a good time for me to kind of go abroad and, um, go all in for a little while. But, um, that's happened to tie in with the start of the COVID pandemic. Um, so, As that happened, I was kind of like, okay, what is happening in the world? What do I do? I've just finished this master's. Can I do some kind of work related to that while this is all happening? Um, So I managed to get like some freelance work. Um, I I work in like TV production and sports journalism type stuff now. Um, So I've managed to get that sort of stuff off the ground. And then when basketball came back and everything kind of kicked off, I was like, well, I've managed to find this balance where I can do this this work stuff and still be training full time. So it it kind of felt like a really nice balance for me. And then I've kind of continued that for what's two, this will be the end of the second season. I've, I've done that, I guess. So um, yeah, there's, you know, I'm like, there's times where I'm like, what happens if I, you know, what would have happened if I'd, if I'd fully gone all in on this, or if I'd uh, decided to just completely dedicate every second and move abroad and just income everything that the life, um brings with it but at the same time it's I really want this other side of it as well you know so um it's it's some it's a balance that I've tried to find and at the moment I think it's you know I think it's putting me in good stead for the rest of my life and also my basketball career so I don't know it's a difficult one Um, and that's quite a long answer to that so um, that
1: that was indeed that was indeed a long answer but you've also like ticked off our next two bullet points of questions to ask you so it's essentially a three for one Oh, perfect. Yeah. And also,
0: I think it's different being like, oh, no, do I regret this if you're sitting there with absolutely nothing to do? But it's like, do I regret this? Well, no, like, you'll never know if one option or the other one was the better, but you know that the one you chose was good, and mm-hmm. that'll probably do you. Like it should. Right, s-
2: some solid advice. I like that. I didn't Thanks. didn't come didn't it didn't come on this podcast for that, but I'm very happy to receive all right, it.
0: all here. right. We're just sweetening you up. Uh, yeah. So, Mark, you've written something very nice about Perry here, and considering you're going to be absolutely driving this thing when it goes off, the, when it goes off the rails, I'm going to let you be nice to him here.
1: Okay. So you've you've touched on it, Perry, but
0: said something nice about him. He's taking his jumper off. What's going on?
2: Get me hot, hot under the color.
0: Also, also, this is going slow. We need to rattle through some of this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, you've obviously been, as you mentioned there, Perry, you were here when a bunch of the guys came back from abroad. Um, the majority of those, plus a handful more, have since gone back to their various spots in Europe. And it's left you as, for the last handful of years, you've been, you know, arguably, the, whatever you want to call it, the best slash most impactful or one of players in the British League. You know, that's spanning a couple of teams that you've been on. And I think most people, you mentioned there, you know, you kind of looked at Europe and thought about it. I think most people in your situation would really want to test themselves, you know, year by year. Is it something you have to, do you have to fight the urge to be like, ah, you know, if you get a, a message come in, do you think about it seriously? Or do you ever wonder what you could, what you could head out for this summer if you, you looked at it? Or are you kind of past that phase of wondering about it now?
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely not past that phase. Absolutely. I don't think there's. I've got a couple of younger guys who have been around recently talking about like when they should go abroad. And I think it's, you know, it's always a topic that comes about when what's the best time to go abroad. But I don't think there's, I don't think there's, well, there probably is too late to go abroad. But I think, you know, it, if you're at a point in your career where you're still building and improving, then that's, you know, that's going to be a good time to go. So, and like you say, to test yourself against the best players in the world um I don't think that's ever a bad thing I guess like this season you know getting out to my first Euro Cup in a long time it literally I think because I think it is is four, yeah three or four years I think so that's kind of what I've been waiting on in a sense like is waiting for that itch to be scratched through Euro Cup and I've kind of set my sights on that and you know I've enjoyed that a lot and then Then it's like, okay, do I want more of this every week? Basically, is that that's that's kind of which obviously I do, but there's other aspects to uh, consider. So, I guess in short, no, I haven't you know closed the door on that. I would definitely still consider doing it at some point. Okay, major
0: European clubs in big cities with interesting things to do get the checkbooks out, (laughs) get on Facebook. Um, so given the lower level of competition compared to some European leagues, do you think you've been able to sort of push yourself enough to? keep improving compared to being abroad have you found ways to sort of keep moving forward do
2: you think i think i kind of alluded to it before i think you know there's there's obviously limitations to that you know i'm not kidding myself in that like if i'd gone abroad and been surrounded by those you know that that calibre of player and competition much you know more often than i am in the uk then that's would have been benef- more beneficial to me but at the same time i do think i've improved over the last few years um through what I've been doing in the UK, um, I, you know, as a person, I'm quite, um, quite, you know, competitive and want to push myself as best I can within the parameters that I've almost set for myself. So, you know, um, however that looks, whether that's, you know, getting in shooting sessions before shifts and making sure I'm getting in enough, you know, gym session shots up every week and as many team sessions as we can um, sort for Titans, Um, you know, that is what it is. And I do, you know, I do feel like I've managed to improve in that space. But yeah, like I say, yes. it would be better yeah, elsewhere, but okay. Uh...
1: Uh, if uh you obviously talked about, you know, you've never closed the door on the Europe option, but if, you know, you... Keep doing this two tracks of doing basketball alongside your your regular job, and you're in the UK for the long run. Do you? Is there anything you'd like to see that could be done to help step the British league up? You know, from I guess you're a veteran of the of the league now. Do you look around and think, man, we just need you know these couple of teams need to develop another guy or two, and we'll have a solid kind of top four teams that can go go at each other.
2: God, yeah. I mean, where do you start with that? I mean. <laughs> you mean you you yourself are obviously a, a, a veteran of this league as well, really? Um, so no, I'm totally sure you're more man. I'm retired. I'm retired. I, I know, but I think you still qualify as a ret- veteran at this point. Right. Um, I, I just think you know of it like to have a more competitive league. Obviously, if the league was professional over here, you're going to attract better players, and that just pushes the level of the league up in general. Um, because that's you know not on the horizon, um, as it seems at the moment. Um, I guess um, more what, like there's two two sides to it. I guess I think I'd say like the junior side of things. So I don't think at the moment post COVID that the, the junior GB setup seems to be in a, a particularly great place. I'm not sure what's going on in terms of tournaments that they're going off to and camps. But speaking to some of the younger guys, it feels like a bit of a disconnect around developing our younger players. And obviously those developing young players, if they're um, having their own kind of like centralized program that we had before or um, high performance um, sessions across the UK that's going to push those younger guys up before they if they want to go abroad eventually um, then that's going to push the level of the league up as well um, and then on the other side of things is guys who come back from abroad at the other end of their careers is like hopefully those guys if they do come back to England that is um, want to invest in their what was their local club so uh you know someone like joe bestwick who's come back and has got the uh the jags promoted this year back to drop, drop 46 points a game or whatever his
1: average
0: is yeah he did that in germany Fine. <laughs>
2: yeah you're not wrong
0: yeah. um but we're, so- in, we're in cologne right now where he had 50 at one point oh, like okay. I stopped,
1: I, stopped the, um, I stopped into the BW playoffs past weekend and he, he um was playing against, I think, the Steelers' second team, maybe. And it's like midway through the third quarter and he had 38. It's like, come on, dude, you, I promise you, you don't need this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he has it, though.
1: Yeah, it's weird yeah, yeah.
2: because like you're like, yeah, obviously just dropping 38 on whoever isn't, you know, Amazing for the sport, I suppose, but like if he can pass on some of the knowledge that he's got, slash you know, bring that team up to the Premier League and hopefully he won't be dropping that many a game um against next you. season, at least against us. Yeah. So you know Miss. <laughs> Perry, a foot football, give me the ball. Yeah, I can foresee that a little bit. Um but you know, hopefully guys at the other end of their careers want to come back and give back to their local club, whether that's coaching, whether that's playing a little bit, however that is, you know, I guess those two ends of the spectrum because realistically the best guys at the top of their game in the peak of their career are going to want to go and test themselves in Europe. So um, I think, I don't know if that's the kind of thing you were getting at, but yeah, it's where my my brain went to. Yeah, I think
0: it's hard to talk people out of going, and even just making a few quid, especially like Mm -hmm. people making a living wage to Play a sport like that? You're kind of well. There's a, there's, also, there's
1: there's the uncombatable, you know, element of even if we had a professional league over in the UK, and you know that was an option for guys to play here. Be like, hey, do you want to play professionally and live in Bristol, or do you want to live in Grand Canaria? Yeah, like, I, the, I, promise, uh, I promise you, there's there's a a correct choice in that. Have but you been to Bristol? Uh, Bristol's well, I mean, I haven't
0: been to Bristol. I just <laughs> Have up. I been to Bristol? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, shout so, out to Bristol. Shout out to Bristol. So we're gonna we're gonna move on and talk about your old years a little bit, and we're gonna try and rattle on a bit because we're at least half an hour, forty minutes into this, and we've got lots to do. Oh, um, but so, do you remember when you first moved up north and Mark tried to persuade you to join Steelers, and you said you'd think about it, and then just never got back to him? Mark, Mark seems to remember based on the Google Doc and with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that,
1: I don't remember that at all. Actually, I... that's awfully convenient. Well, apparently you forgot about it as soon as I mentioned it, so it doesn't surprise me that you don't remember it. Now. Is this
2: is this recorded on a Facebook chat somewhere, or <laughs> I, is, I the, is basically is there hard ed- evidence, or can I deny it? Uh, there's no such thing as
1: evidence. The jury's still out on evidence. In and that so case, this I'll is deny. a
0: podcast that no one cares about. You're probably fine. So... <laughs> Got to Oldham I and it was always a bit of an old boys club that had their sort of established ways to do things. But you joined just as there was a bit of a youth influx, like you and Greg were there. Yeah. Um,
1: Shout out Charlie Fryer-Stevens. Oh, yeah, oh jazz, yeah.
0: Chuck. Chuck never stuck and I really wanted that to be a thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's a pretty tough place to learn the ropes. They have a very specific way of doing things. And what did you find fitting that in, fitting into that mix, especially being a Southerner?
2: Yeah, I think, I think you know, like you said, having Greg there basically made the difference because, you know, I was already close with Greg at that point. Um, and him being there was probably the reason I went, really, because, you uh,
1: know. I see how
2: it is. You're <laughs> like Mark and James, though, no, I don't <laughs> want to spend an hour with
1: them talking about
2: basketball. <laughs> if you're pitting yourself against Greg Warburton, Mark, I, I think, you know, yeah. I,
0: I mean, I'd choose Greg over I mean, me as a person and as a. I'd boss. choose Greg, so. I'd choose
2: Greg over me, so you know, I I wouldn't take it too personally. Yeah, uh, we're all in
1: agreement. We would all <laughs> pick Greg over it, seemingly ourselves and any other of the three of us.
2: That's the only way to be. Um, I uh, yeah. So going there, I you know, I, I loved it immediately. Kind of like just got on with the old boys, the the legends of of Oldham. You know, Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson's probably like the most influential coach I had, I think, in my career so far. Just what I learned from him was just so many nuances of the game that you don't really that no one really stops and talks to you about during a session and Dan you know he'll probably be the first to say it but he can stop a session too much sometimes because he's just so obsessed with the little details um but I'd never really had a coach that had done that before at least in a at least in a game aspect I've had that you know um someone like Matt Foden and and Haj uh, Banya who who were a bit more focused on like skill-based at least at that point um, Mm -hmm. in my career learning those fundamentals um, in terms of pure, you know, like left-hand hook pass, left-hand dribble, all of this stuff. But I think Dan, just in terms of like, this is exactly how you should be setting a pick and roll and where the ball should be moving. And then this is what happens on the weak side. This is where a curl goes. If you have this person on you, this is where you drive. When you get a man out, this is what we do. Like all of these kind of like, real real specifics of the game, which obviously change depending what team you play in. But I think just understanding a style of basketball under a coach, just um, I, I love that. And I think Dan saw that I loved that and wanted to learn so much. And I think the fact that I was enthusiastic and just wanted to learn and get on, you know, helped me um, settle in pretty quickly there. And also they're all just like, they're just great. They're great people. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're just great people. They want the best for you. And anyone who wants the best for you is worth having in your life and keeping around so um I yeah. yeah I love love my time there and yeah wouldn't change it cool do you
0: have any do you have a specific Dan Johnson story that you can remember where at the time he stopped it and you were like what is this guy's deal but now you're like yeah he was right
2: <laughs> can you
0: think of one that you you were all oh, looking around man. being like what is he you
2: there were not a specific one, but I do remember, like in in games, like specifically being like you'd you come into a time and It'd be like, why didn't you follow that curl there? Like that curl was wide open there, and you'd be like, it wasn't. There was there was two that was not on. That was not on. And he'd be like, we'll get the videotape out later. And that was his always his go to phrase. Like he'd be like, regardless of whether the game was being filmed. But I was going to be- say you're <laughs> the British
0: league where there's two people on the same other exactly. camera.
2: And this would be at sessions. This would be a Thursday night in some like <laughs> tiny sports center, you know, and I'd be like, we'll get the video out later, and like kind of give you a bit I love a that. bit of stick for it. Um, that was. Go to, but yeah, yeah, that's as specific as I can get. I'm I read that. All right.
1: Okay. Next one, Perry. Do you care to talking about things that you may have later realized you're wrong or right about? Do you care to defend your very olden take that cheating and flying for layups is just not good basketball? Because I remember the conversation where you tried to persuade me and James this, and I'm still having none of it. Wow, there's a lot of evidence being thrown at me here. That I remember sounds very... that.
0: <laughs> but I was just like, hey, whatever, cool.
1: Hey, it's still two <laughs> points, whether it was good basketball or not.
2: I have you changed your tune. This is something that I think I would be like. I, I get both sides, but I think I know. I, you know, I don't know which side I'm fall on at the moment. But oh. I, um, <laughs> I think probably what I was trying to get at is that like purely just launching the ball and running after it and putting it in is like
0: isn't the beautiful game. It's not the
2: beautiful game. And I, I like obviously it's two points and obviously teams win by doing that and that's great. And you know it's it's a skill to be that fast and to score layups. But like it's I don't
0: know. You do what I do and break out and then just smoke all the layups. <laughs> but
1: yeah.
2: You think I've done that. <laughs> I
1: thought it was particularly funny because Oldham at one point in like Pete Finbo's heyday, Oldham pioneered the Pete flying for a layup. And then as soon as he got like a bit older and wasn't quick enough to do that anymore, it suddenly became the older argument where, like, well, that's not good basketball anyway.
0: There was a period of time
2: where they got Matt Rolston in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Wait, you mean people uh, change arguments to fit their own agenda? That can't be a thing, can it? Well, people <laughs> develop
0: and change and change their mind on things when when they think about it. People can evolve. Um, it's all right that you didn't. <laughs> I'm <joking. laughs> Okay, so Oldham then rattled off three straight playoffs, 2015 to 17, if Mark's memory or research is correct. I just I mail it in. I'm just here to talk. Um, so at right. that point, you were in and out with a bit of a shoulder thing for most of that time, probably.
2: Uh, was it hard to stay engaged? Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I had multiple shoulder issues when from the ages of about 18 to 22 I think so many different periods out with so many different things various bicep impingements um, and, then, um, and then a lot of like eventually it, basically I, I ended up having surgery just before the junior worlds in 2017 I had it in September 2016 and then it was basically like a fight to get fit for the junior worlds really because I missed the junior Europeans that yeah. that was in the January which I had to miss um, that it, it kind of yeah it messed with my I don't know with everything i guess because it's hard mentally to to deal with not playing the sport that you want to play all the time um and also just not knowing whether it, whether it's going to be right again ever because i remember really thinking at the time because after my surgery it didn't really solve the the problem they they wanted to tighten the ligaments around the like center um joint in the shoulder and it, they did that but it didn't take away the pain that i was feeling so they essentially put me on like a nerve painkiller for like 18 months which seemed to like you know seemed to work in the end alongside various rehab along that time. Um, So, yeah, it it was not an enjoyable time. I spent so many hours with a TheraBand, which I still do, as probably everyone who plays with me realises. But I think that's kind of where that comes from. Um, And then even like in the summer of 2020 and when the COVID pandemic broke out, I had elbow surgery in the middle of that summer as well. Um, And that one was because I remember them telling me before that, that there was a risk if... There was like a one in a hundred risk that I would lose use of my right hand. Oh my god. Um which one in a hundred is like feels a bit too close to that. I'm yeah, sure, but...
0: you normally know, see like one in ten thousand. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll yeah, probably play that fine. game. But also when you look at those stats, it never makes me comfortable. But it's like, yeah, but like that was a zero at some point. And then they were like, okay,
2: we got to bump it up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Yeah. So that and also I didn't get the feeling back in my little finger for literally like two weeks oh, i I was freaking weird. out about that for a weird. while. Um <laughs> no, that would be so terrifying. Because I love having the feeling in my little finger it's yeah, my favorite it's so thing. So when yeah. that went, I was just absolutely good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well,
1: yeah, I'll <laughs> lose the use of my hand, but can I just keep the feeling in my little <laughs> finger? Yeah, get rid
0: of
2: these other three fingers. They're good for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one. Um but yeah, I think if various injuries during that like early years of my um in my twenties really, just I guess that's another reason, just briefly touching on it, is that I kind of genuinely thought at periods, I remember had saying it to me after I came back, saying like, I genuinely didn't think you were going to come back from that one. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of confidence in me there. But I think it was more to do with the fact that I genuinely just had so many injuries and Greg called me Owen Hargreaves for years. It's (laughs) just a a football reference for those who get it. But um, it, yeah, it's just demoralizing when especially when we were based in sheffield and you got everyone would fly off and do their snc programs or so and i'll just be on my own doing like pushing and doing like yeah. horrible rehab exercises yeah. um yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah some bad times
0: but yeah bad times but we'll move on to some good times here so we obviously we've touched on it plenty but the oldham sheffield rivalry during the years you were centralized it was probably yeah. the best basketball that's been in the british league for i don't know probably since before there was a big draw for the pro leagues or at least I would say 2012 when all the guys came back before London but yeah we all saw far too much of each other at that time I remember the point I think we played seven times against each other oh, in the season man. um did we used have to any... do
2: it in training as well in centralized training, we used to do a little Go bit Sheffield and Oldham probably more than the seven official games. Yeah. yeah
0: um but do you have any favorite games or memories from
2: those teams what, which time. of my which of my favorite losses against sheffield was my no, favorite funny. <laughs> no, you, you beat us once in the second year uh yeah we did yeah once once um <laughs> once a lot of the guys had left i guess wasn't it no you still had a really strong team that yeah year, that was still Ab- me was ben Ab- harry amy abby was gone the second year was Abby gone the so
0: second that year. that year was me harry ben amy tom smith Mark was there. Yeah. Jim, yeah.
1: Was, Jim there. was there. Jim was there. You guys had... You'd kept most of your team, right? And then you'd lost Greg because he'd gone to Madiba as well. So it was like yourself.
2: Marty Billy. Me, Marty Billy. and
0: Laurie, Robin, Robin. Wayne, yeah, yeah. Big Dan. Those was your seven. Yeah, yeah. Wow, well, well, you're remembering
2: this better than me. I'm, my memory for games sometimes is awful. So I'm I drunk. do nothing I but know. watch
0: basketball and think about it like I'm
2: unwell. <laughs> That's why I remember this. But is there anything that sticks out? Like I think... It, uh, it was just it was just great fun like i cut like I'm, i don't clearly the way i don't even remember who was on my team at that point that i don't have something specific that <laughs> um, um in my head but you know I, I think it was just a great it was a fun time to be in row. a bit of like you know all the um chat and training and stuff was just always you know always had a little like a tone of of sharpness to it occasionally when it got yeah. down to to business which I quite enjoyed that little bit of needle and you know that the, the Sheffield you, you know you beat, beat us both of those both of those times but when we when we came back to beat you obviously that was my favorite one that chef Stamble that we yeah, called it chef um, I forgot it was a comeback as well it, yeah I think you were up by I can't remember what but I
0: remember uh, I we'd beaten you by eight in your place so all we needed to do was not go to overtime so we had a timeout that was basically like they're up by two do we just let them win this by two so it doesn't go to overtime in case they beat us and we were like we should have three make or miss and Kevin's wow. like yeah, okay
1: we're, we're going to get down a rabbit hole here, but I still fundamentally... Let's not get
0: down a rabbit hole. This has taken so
1: much longer than it needs to. Oh, well, whatever. But what's the rabbit hole? I know you guys want to watch I some... Now, I feel, I feel like th- my argument against that was I cannot believe we play like max two games a season against these guys that are the only games worth playing. No offense to Titans at the time who used to believe they could stick it to us, but... Um... And then Kev was like, yeah, we'll just let this one go so we don't lose the league. I was like, I couldn't give a crap about the league. When we get two good games a year, and we're just going to throw this one, apparently.
0: Yeah, like, I think you can come second and then go to the playoffs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: yeah. It's so, well, that's what happened to us this year when we beat Manchester in the regular season mm-hmm. by... We needed to beat them by more than eight, and we did beat them by more than eight. So we finished top of the league and then obviously lost them in the final, which... Ooh, yeah. We'll get to that, don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Right, we touched on it there, but shall we talk Titans?
2: Yes.
0: Um, so Mark has written here, for the people listening who don't know, can you give your understanding of what the outside perception of London Titans is or was when you moved there? Uh,
2: it sounds like a question for Mark, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm
1: not above answering my own questions.
2: Because um, <laughs> I, I was... genuinely, like, as, a, as a genuine point of view, I, I didn't have like a massive like perception of, because I guess to be fair, I played one season when I was seventeen at London Titans Premier oh, yeah. Super League team. So I had my first experience in the top league with them. Left for five, six years, and then came back. So um, I don't know whether that coloured my perception, maybe, but I, I didn't really have a massive, um, you know, uh, perception of it before I left. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my take on it is very similar to like I play for Bilbao right now, who pretty much have the same reputation in the Spanish league, mm. and it's like. Very difficult to play against, physical, like to let people know about things when they're playing, Um, but mostly lovely when you're on the inside. And maybe that's your sort of perception of Titans. Maybe the second half anyway. Maybe you, you can attest to the fact that it's lovely when you're there yeah. and it's full of good people. Is that fair?
2: I, I think so. I think Mark's, Mark would like to just...
0: Get mark this isn't about- <laughs> mark i would just like to say this isn't about you please continue well, i'd
1: like it to be about him if possible <laughs> <laughs> okay should, should i
0: just leave Can i, just I
1: leave think around? it's um it's to do with the fact that it's obviously changed a little bit uh recently as you know titans won it last year or whatever but there was just this omnipresent presence of titans where individually there were a bunch of guys i did i didn't mind like christy manny were obviously like mates of ours through the juniors whatever I think, Matt Seeley and Tyler are sound guys, but the the collective vocalness, shall we call it, and this... Oh, word. <laughs> um, an incredibly self-belief stocked team who seemingly were convinced they had accomplished things far greater than they ever had. And they just... They, well, that's true, man. They, up until the last <laughs> oh, couple of years, God. when had they done anything other than finish third behind the same two teams all the time? And... Yeah, there was just, that there was this kind of like when you're playing a video game, not boss, but like, hey, I just want to get to the boss battle. Like, these side characters are are an inconvenience at best, and I wish they would get out of my way. Like, having to respawn every time the boss kills me and then battle my way through this guy's is just annoying at this point.
2: <laughs> I actually really like that as an analogy. So,
0: um, <laughs> I think every team has them. Like, I, I, the Bilbao comparison is a great one for me because we're just third in the league all the time. Like, don't really touch a or Albasetti, or haven't for a handful of years. Not since I've been there. Anyway. did you win a trophy this year? oh uh, yeah, covered right? Well, yeah, uh, yeah I All right. He was
1: just setting it... you up to remind everybody of that. I've just, been, like, <laughs> I've just
0: been pulling hairs out of his leg under the table until he mentioned it. It's been like 45 minutes.
2: Um but okay. yeah, so, so
0: you would like to say that your perception of London Titans from from the inside and from the outside previously is that they were. Yeah, I guess so. You um, don't really
2: see it. Um I, d- I guess I didn't really see it that way massively from the outside playing against them with Oldham. Like, we, I know what you mean in the sense that like, with Oldham, we always really wanted to beat them. Because I know what you mean in terms of like, it does feel like they think they can beat you. And that is annoying in a sense. You're like, <laughs> we are better than you. Like, I'm sorry, we're just, we're going to beat you. But like, it's annoying that you make it hard because um, we're going to, whether you like it or not type of thing. Because um, <laughs> so so I, I remember genuinely, we played them with Oldham and Mar- it was me and me, Martin and Billy, I think, was it? yeah did you we we played them in the playoff finals and martin was away i think martin was in vegas um <laughs> which i really love um but um i remember that and that that one was a real like oh they really think they can beat us here because you know martin's away and then we beat, i think do you, do you remember john dunn is that yeah i think yeah. He, had, he had like 20 in the final it was unbelievable Legend. Um, and um shout out, john dunn. shout out to john dunn don't know where you are these days but i hope you're well um and we just, yeah, again, that gave it extra like uh, satisfaction. But on the flip side, I would say when you're in that situation, if you don't believe you can win and you don't go in with that kind of like determination and like, yeah, we're just going to take some like scalps and just see what we can do here and really like, just give it to them and annoy the other team as best we can and maybe that gives us a win somehow away. It didn't, but like, you know, when you're in that situation and you kind of probably at, at your heart know that you're not going to, you're not as good as that team, but how else do you Get up for that game. How else do you convince yourself you're gonna do it? Other than that I will, I will,
1: I will say at this point, everything that we've just described is exactly the reason why Dylan Brooks is a, a successful NBA player, and be told he's not going back to Memphis next season. That's <laughs> 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 entirely it.
2: Who's the Dylan Brooks of wheelchair basketball, Mark? Titans. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough.
0: No comment, uh, Mark. We're not here to bring people down. We've both been about. It. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was actually that was a relatively relatively harmless conversation you two had. I'm, I'm proud of you both. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, last season won the league in the playoffs and we were fairly clearly the best team in England. And so this year, spent most of the oh, March writing something in. <laughs> um, so this year, we're just going to ignore that. Um, he said, you threw a title celebration, brackets, lame. Um, so <laughs> Was you... the open
2: bus top, uh, the, the open top bus too much, was it? Yeah,
0: no, I really should have done it. Um, Could do you, you the imagine?
2: To... On, a... is on the bottom. It's Extra... <laughs> inaccessible. <laughs> trying time. to get an so, open top
1: bus through London, you would just be sat in traffic <laughs> the entire day. You wouldn't go anywhere. You'd just get the <laughs> bus. I
0: just love the idea of an open top bus, but like everyone who was a full-time wheelchair user just had to be on the bottom floor. <laughs> So, yeah. Just a so, trophy on the top.
1: Actually. Yeah,
0: and like you as a four or five, that's it. <laughs> just you and your own. But yeah, um, you spent most of this year neck and neck with the league, and all of them. You finished both on twelve wins, two losses. I think. Did you kind of have the experience of playing a full season, knowing you're probably only going to have to worry about them, or were Sheffield were kind of? very clear, very clearly third and couldn't really touch the other two teams but like
2: to think they can yeah There's
1: there you still go that, isn't it?
0: Um, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I don't know why any of this is is aimed at me I'm firmly disassociated at this point
0: yeah it's just not exclusively you will be forever
1: way. associated with
2: Sheffield Steelers whether not you like far. it or not
1: no as far as I'm concerned I won't oh, is that that guy That's that
2: fun. played for Padova? Yeah. Um, <laughs> was it Yorkshire under 15s that, that, that guy is that guy no no that guy had long hair <laughs> yeah um um, um, I would say no because genuinely, Sheffield, with when um, George is there, then like you can't kind of assume that you're going to be a team with George Bates and Tyler Baines in. I think that's kind of like you know, they've got a, like a load of international players as well. With you know, Maddie Thompson is there as well. Um, Carl Nagel, the boy, my guy, going um, there for a bit. Yeah, I don't know, I just don't think I'd. I, uh i guess similarly in terms of mentality i never want to go into a game and think yeah this is this will be fine i just think that sets you up to be in a bad place you know that's complacency is one of those things that everyone says every you know every big team that's ever played a small game says we don't want to be complacent you know we and we do and then you do yeah and that's how <laughs> it, that's how it works but genuinely <laughs> i think you know that that um Steelers uh, are always a team that are tough, and you know there's there are other de- you know other decent teams out there that you can't just assume you're going to get past because it kind of takes yeah. uh, just it's a bit of a poor mentality to have, I think, as as an athlete in general. Slash, also it just it's not as fun, you know. You want to get up for a game, don't you? You want to you know go out and blow them in the first quarter and show that that's that's going to be the case rather than just talk about it beforehand. I don't know. Yeah, will cool you? Were you giggling at a phrase that I said there?
1: I certainly was. But, okay,
2: uh, all right. Well, I'm above. I'm above that. You are above cool, that.
0: Yeah. If we don't acknowledge it, it's not something I need to edit. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so going to your Euro Cup qualifiers, you guys played part of a who turned out big turned out to be unbelievable. By the time they got to Euro League One, um, Cologne, and I don't remember the two other teams that were. Oh, there no, were two Bosnian teams. Sure. Um, what did you guys learn in that first weekend of games playing against? More good teams in like a concentrated space. Um,
2: learned that Charlie McIntyre is really good because I've yeah. just seen his name on the sheet there. So. <laughs> Charlie McIntyre, he's the boy, he is the boy. Um, definitely learned that. Um, what have you learned from that tournament? I, you know, like I said before, I think I personally from that tournament, I I just put too much pressure on myself going into it because it was my first year of Cup in so long. And I remember I spent so long watching the other teams, like thinking about what I'm going to do. Thinking about how we're going to stop this person, how we're going to like attack this team. I spent so long doing that, and then didn't really think about like okay, like fret myself mentally and be like, oh, I need to play well here. And then you just that I ended up not having my best tournament personally, and that was very frustrating. So I guess for me, learning that I need to not just put too much emphasis and focus on what it's going to be like, and think through, and just kind of like think about you know my own personal prep a little bit, and just worry about yourself a bit more i guess um but I, i learned that we could you know we can stick with some really good european teams like we're that 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 fight and grit that may be annoying to other teams clearly is um you know i quite it's quite fun being on that side of it and if we can take you know take some teams to some games and show ourselves give you know uh british basketball a decent name on the european stage as best we can then um that's what that's what we'll do i guess
1: yeah well, it might please you to know, Perry, that for all the um, slander I've given about London Titans, you can go back and listen to the um, Euro Cup preview and I actually called you guys to win that game so you can only imagine how thrilled I was when that didn't end up being the case. <laughs> there <laughs> we are.
0: So, um I've written here for when you guys moved on to Euro Cup 3 finals in the end, do you feel hard done by by the fact that the standard at Euro Cup 3 was about as high as anything apart from Champions Cup this year?
2: It was nuts. There were some really good teams there. I did, I wouldn't say I felt hard done by because I, I want to, you know, like we've touched on already, I want to play against those type of players. I think I'm good enough to play at that level and I want to demonstrate that. So, um I think us as a team are as well. Like I think we've got, you know, we look across our, our starting five and basically everyone in that team has international experience in some shape or form. Um, you know, Matt sealy has been to several tournaments. you in know. Paralympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As big as it gets, you know, even like when you, I know you go down to Charlie, but he's, you know, at this point in his young career, he's played at a Commonwealth Games, which, you know, I know that whatever you think about three three, three on three, um, three, on three 3,000 people were there man Exactly like, It's a it's, yeah. a it's a big competition That he will feel Everyone who played there I'm sure would have felt Some kind of pressure So everyone You know Jude Hamer is You know um, Three time Paralympian it, like. it, You know Everyone on the team has There's a lot of experience there um, So um, I, I didn't feel hard done by Basically I just wanted to go out And enjoy playing against Those top calibre teams And that's That's what you want to do In the sport isn't it Yeah man
0: So we've interviewed a four and a half from the other side of this game. Um, uh, So do you want to talk us through the big win against Hanover, who are arguably a top five or six team in Europe as we had them? I think we had them at five in our heads at one point. Um, or we maybe take, six at one point and then did
2: we knock them down
0: No, you, know, times you times knocked them down time. and then also Santa Stefano smoked us so they get to be above us at some point <laughs> like I would have said we might have been fifth at one point and then Santa is yeah, be yeah. better than us Hanover might be better than us and therefore you might be <laughs> God knows oh my so god if we're, if we're following you.
1: if we're following the wins and losses logic then you guys are above Amiab because you beat them in the Copa del Rey final, and Malaga are somewhere between Amiab and you because they beat Amiab by two points that time. So let's not let's not do the individual wins and losses, otherwise this gets <laughs>
0: that's why we know it doesn't work. But yeah, <laughs> cool. Um so um, what was that like coming up against such a good team, such a pro team with maybe seven or eight international guys?
2: full time. Well, I mean, that was just it was a great win for us obviously. Like it's, it's it's one of those games where like things had to go our way. We knew how we were going to approach the game and how we we're going to try and make them win the game. Um and you know, it was a bit of a gritty game. I think don't think either team scored above 60. Like, no. you know, it's, it's a, it was not a, you know, it was not the beautiful basketball that I was I was hoping for. I'd have taken a few fast breaks. Um but I think it's just it's one of those games, man. Like obviously like they are one of the top teams in Europe and they can they, you know, on another day they beat us by 20 points, that can happen. But I do think that, well, clearly we are a good enough team to hang with them. And we did, things went our way. They missed a lot of shots they'd probably expect to make. We made some that we might not expect to make. But I think on the whole, like, the fact, again, in that game, just at the, uh, the weekend when we came back against Manchester is another time this season where we have been down by, like, after the first quarter, I think we are down 12 or something. Like, and we fought back into it. And I think that is part of us as a team just believing in each other like having that weird belief like you're saying like you know they were probably thinking well, this team thinks they can beat us or well, they can't we can't. we we ended up doing it somehow like and that's you know that's nothing against them because they're a great team and they've got so many great players in that team and it was a pleasure to play against the likes of like you know Sean Norris I'd never played against before so that was you know that that felt like a moment for me you know like playing against someone like like that and seeing the likes of uh, like Tommy in person I'd not I've not played against him before either and um it was a great experience I, I loved every every moment of it i'd um just proud proud of that we managed to get that win especially fighting back and it's one that it's one that i'll remember for a long time i think absolutely sure
1: yeah it's it's funny because when you described that what you called that weird self-belief when you touched on that a few minutes ago i i stopped short of using the word delusional and i'm glad i did because you actually did fight back and win <laughs> in that game so i guess it wasn't truly delusional but um <laughs> I thought it was interesting man because you guys you alluded to it just there you obviously work best I think in the kind of sludged up low scoring like you say you know high 50s low 60s kind of environment and that weirdly ended up that Hanover were a better matchup for you than Izmir were who you ended up playing in the uh, bronze game yeah and like Hanover are, on paper a better team than Izmir I think that's yeah, fair, fair to say, but you had your trouble against Izmir and it felt like you guys, you know, you were on a pretty short rotation, especially at that tournament where you were missing a couple of players. And it felt like once you went down against Izmir in that game, just the collective exertion over the weekend kind of caught you at that point. I don't know if that's how it felt during the game.
2: That's how it felt. I, I think, you know, on another day, I think we beat Izmir. Like, I do think, you know, I think they're a good team, but I do think we... we we're better than what we showed in that game, whether they, you know, they, they might be a better team than us. And they certainly showed that on the day. So you can't argue with that. Um, I think, like you said, I think we were just gassed by then. I think like a lot, you know, I'm, I'm the only guy in that team really in terms of our, obviously I'm just thinking in terms of full-time athletes, Judas as well. Um, Charlie is still, still in school, man. Right. Jesus. A child. Um, a child. Um, no. So he, like at the end of that tournament like you just gassed like you know yeah, I, I am too don't you know I mean, I'm not I'm not immune from that either and like so I think that just showed for us I think we'd had we'd had our like big emotional like we would beaten Hannah that was our big like that was our big moment I think from then like after getting like brought back down to earth by Sassari who again really some really good international players on that team mm-hmm. um who can really shoot the ball um and we just, I think we'd, we'd had our, our, our peak at that tournament and then it was just, yeah, we were just I, th-
1: I think you could tell you guys were worn out because if you go back and watch the last, like, six or seven minutes of the game, I thought the stream was broken because all your guys' mouths had stopped moving finally.
0: <laughs> so P- Perry, Perry wants to raise a point of contention. So I would like this. to
2: raise a point of contention with this because this is, my, this is my point of this. So if I, I was just running through our starting lineup for our that that tournament and I was thinking so it's Matt Seeley, it's, it's myself, it's Jude Hamer, it's Tyler Saunders, and it's Charlie McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think uh, you can tell me tell me differently here, but I don't think any of those players are particularly well known for their their trash talking or their 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 hyping up overly. I think we're all on that group, I think that's that five is a very placid five.
1: Well I I'd, um, I'd pranced around this up until this point, but the big difference in the trash talking was that Addy wasn't there for you in um in Yala. Yeah, and there you go. we we won't get into it, Perry, because James is stressed out about time, but we sh we should should do a bench
0: stressing about conflict.
1: <laughs> we should do should do a bench episode on the best and worst trash talkers because I think you're sneakily uh, an attempted trash talker who's not great at it. I have a couple of examples from various um incidents in the past, but We'll not go into it at this point. Uh, so. I
2: had I, I don't th- I I think me and James were talking about this the other day. I don't feel like I trash talk at all. I say things that I that amuse me myself. So I remember in that Hanover uh, game. Maybe,
1: maybe that's it, maybe I just don't find you funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that's
2: perfectly acceptable. Um No it's not. I, yeah, I think, you know, games like times in that Hanover game, I don't think we were talking at all. I think we, we had, like, what we genuinely thought was some funny talk yeah. between, like, myself and Charlie. Yeah. But I don't think we, like, were ever, like, really trying to trash talk and give people anything. Yeah. I don't think I ever do that. be surprised if anyone else either, I guess. Yeah, I don't really think good. I directed
0: it.
1: <laughs> I think, I know, I know I've, I've like, handed it up for the benefit of this episode, but I think the real, the way it works is, like, Addy is the instigator of most of it. I think... Yeah. Tyler, Manny, and Christy in that order are all liable to get on board once things start going that way. I've I've not been around times as much for the last couple of years because I'm not playing anymore. So i yeah like, yeah, yeah. Maybe I've I've got like an old maybe the image in my head needs to be in like black and white or like one of those ragtime pictures or something. Yeah, like yeah. yeah I'm, intrigued by, I'm
2: intrigued by these um these trash talking stories that you you seem to have tucked up your sleeve.
1: I'll do I'll do one from when we played you guys in the um the BWE playoffs how many years ago but Come on. I think I ended up you'd pulled a rebound down and I was like stuck I think I was maybe on your chair and Laurie came to set a pick to free you up and I was like wedged between the two of you and I took my hands off my wheels to show the ref that I like wasn't digging in and at the point that I took my hands off my wheels he must have thought I'd like done it to try and prove my innocence and he called me for a foul and I said to the wrap at that point, I was like, "Well, if I'd have gone forwards, you would have called me for a foul, and if I'd have gone backwards, you'd have called me for a foul. So what was I meant to do?" And you smugly looked at me and said, "Don't foul me," and pushed off. I was like, that is. funny. <laughs>
0: that's funny. That is, that's
1: funny. <laughs> I was like, "That is some gentle trash talk." If ever. That's what I mean. I, see, is <laughs> that's that just, hilarious. That's,
2: that's hilarious, man? I'm not. i gonna stick by that.
1: I Well that. that. That's hilarious it that's hilarious given the fact i brought it up because it's like weak <laughs> but i don't know if it's hilarious in itself
0: no i read that that's really hilarious. but
1: that's
2: probably that's probably the max that my my trash yeah, yeah. i'll give you that
1: the all-time worst trash talker this is a complete stray but jim palmer is a terrible trash talker he's now. in the room he's in us, the room. Right? No, he?
0: he's got his headphones on oh
1: yeah. man T- i'll tell him i said that once we get off the record Absolutely.
0: All right, no, Jim's Jim's a sweetheart, and I love him to pieces, and you you can't
2: say anything bad about him. But yeah. Sorry, that story you, you told there because it has to do with a a referee mark. It's just reminded me, in, in Eurocup in in Yolova, I had like a, I'd say I'm probably worse for talking to referees than I am to like other players, and I I um had a moment where I I I like tried to beat someone baseline, and they went like you know, right alongside me. And I I went off court, like I bumped off them and I went off court. So I just uh, span around where I was and just went back. This was right next to the key. So I didn't even get in the key. I just came back, came back off the way. But I came on and the ref immediately called turnover. It didn't tee me up or anything, but just like, that's it. You can't do that turnover type of thing. Change possession. And I said to the ref, I said at halftime, but like, I just asked him the question like, well, you know, what what do you want me to do there? Because obviously like I didn't gain advantage in the future. I don't want to get, I don't want that to happen again. What do I do? And he said, "You just can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "But what happens if I go off court like for the do I just stay there for the rest of the session?" And he was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> what, was, what what do you mean like what what, yeah. am I, what am I supposed to do in this tonight like this is not the those are not the rules, and that is not the answer, so I don't know <laughs> but I very much uh, enjoyed that interaction
0: <laughs> all right, so we'll very quickly cover off the premier League uh, Premier League finals because um
2: the Premier League. I think it is yeah,
0: now. Premier League yeah. finals. Um but yeah, so you started neck and neck and then Manchester got out on a bit of a run. What do you think led to that run? We'll not we'll, we'll not talk about a game that you lost
2: too much because I got stupid questions to ask you i <laughs> nah, I'm much more a fan of the stupid questions, I think. Um cool. they they I think their X factor in that game was Billy, Billy Bridge. He just he he knocked down his open shots, he cut to the basket really well, he did everything that a good Billy Bridge performance Provides like he did all of that stuff. Um, uh, him and Ebby as well, Ebi Amadi, and um, they they both knocked down some open shots. And that we just went completely dry. Our, our, I've spoken about this to people. Before, but our, our offense was just so stagnant and boring and dry, and it was just we got stagnant just as they were. They were finding open shooters and cutting, crossing, and it just felt so much more fluid than ours did. Um, and it that was not yeah not an enjoyable run for us. Sure.
0: And you stuck the press on, which cut the lead. Um, At what point did you start thinking comeback was on? Understandable could happen. <laughs> um,
2: I think they had, a, we forced a couple of turnovers. I think when, when stuff like that starts to go your way, when you, you forced to, uh, you know, moments like that, when it really feels like it's, you know, a, an offensive foul or a, a pass straight out of bounds, I think they, they had a couple of them within quick succession and that kind of like that spurs you on if you're you know you're making shots they're not and turnovers are happening you're like oh wait maybe a sec maybe we could do this um so we <laughs> did briefly think we could do it and then we were cruelly uh came up short as i'm sure mark enjoyed a lot <laughs> yeah. um, Were you <laughs>
0: surprised that, that press stuff worked against a team that's run as well as manchester revolution slash all the miles especially because you've played there for years they're like a well-oiled machine with good experienced players and great coaching.
2: Yeah, I I think it's to some extent a surprise, to some extent I'm not, because you're right that, you know, they will have their press break perfectly set up. But I think by the nature of some of their players, like decision-making can sometimes be a problem for them. So you can have the best laid plans, but if you don't make, you know, the right decision in a split moment, that can mess up that well-oiled machine if you do that. So um, I didn't necessarily think that would happen, but the fact that it did, shows that even, like, the most experienced teams yeah. with the best-made plans, as you say, yeah. can still slip up gaming. Yeah,
0: and pressing, I guess. Obviously, you're not being like, this will absolutely stop them, and it'll be eight second second calls. It's like, yeah. can I tip the scales towards chaos and maybe pick some passes off? And also, you guys run a seven-deep rotation of just mids, which helps. Yeah. <laughs> like, mids or, like, Jude with a the reduction. There's mm-hmm. a 4-5 playing mm-hmm. the 2-5, but yeah, that's, yeah, that helps. But- Do you have any comments yeah. on any of the end-of-game end shenanigans from the
2: refs? Sorry, Mark. Did I felt like Mark won it quickly? So I, to... I
1: was I was gonna say off the off the back of this because you said you were sure I'd have great delight in you guys losing. I actually, it got to the point in the game where I didn't see most of the first half because um, I was out and about, and then Ben, I'd been like keeping one eye on the stats, and it was like pretty close at halftime, and then it must have been mid third quarter. Ben Fox texted me and just put Perry is losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I got it on YouTube and, like, dialed it back, however, like, 30 seconds or whatever, and you were laying into everybody in the timeout. Like, obviously, not laying into everybody in, like, a horrible, aggressive way, but you were letting your feelings be known. And from that timeout, you guys came on, put your press on, and started drawing it back. I was like, yo, Perry's got a future as one of those, like, NBA assistant coaches who barely ever says anything. And then when he speaks up, it matters so much more because everyone's he like, oh, <laughs> I, you actually t- turned me around a little bit. I almost rooted for you guys there because I was like, this would have been really cool if the most like reserved man in the world decided that he was just going to let loose once and it won <laughs> the game for his team. It's, that would have yeah, been great.
0: I love that. You just feel like right up and save in saving this one. But yeah, <laughs> any comments on any of the end game shenanigans from either side or
2: any officials? Oh, it's just, I mean, the obvious one is that technical foul where Finn, Tonner shot the ball after a call of some sort and got teed up immediately, which is just the most ridiculous thing in, in the world. Like I said, it to all the guys at the time. I mean, luckily for them in a sense, because I would have hated that, to be honest, like to, I would have loved it in a sense because we might have got back in the game. But, you know, it, I'd hate a game to be decided by a call like that. It's just, you don't want games to be decided by referees. And that was just yeah. one of the most hideous calls I've been privy to Um, and... Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad in a sense later down the down the stretch when be hit two free throws in a row because I don't know it just would have been an awful way for them yeah. to lose the game and you know as my old team some of my best mates are on that team I would hate for them to lose in that way as much as like you know I would have loved it yeah but it's you don't want to be the you refs know, you don't I don't want to you know I don't want to win a game with that that thing but yeah. Do great no stuff sometimes. Yeah, right, put your muscles away. <clears throat> um
0: okay, quick quick fire questions at the end. What's it like being the nicest man in wheelchair basketball slash the world? Quick answers. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll have to ask Mendel. Ah, uh, yeah, so, well, yeah. I did. I've told you this, and I think I've told Mandel this. But you guys played each other, and I was like, "Hey,
2: it's the nicest man in the world, Darby." <laughs> we had some lovely little chats on on court. Actually, seems like a a, very, a delightful man in my brief uh, interaction. see him. This I, imagine,
1: I imagine your guys' interaction, just like, "Hey, my hair is also curly."
2: <laughs> hey, James thinks we're both really nice. It's true. <laughs> he did. Um, he did reveal to me that their team. Uh, well, Sassery had um, referred to me as the mustache man for uh, <laughs> game prep, which uh, I really enjoyed. And then very...
1: coaching Sassery, how does he not know your
2: name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy? you already No, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why, but yeah. And then a very what brief discussion on apparently one you and him had had, James and yourself had had one about um, whether if you have a beard, you also have a mustache. Um,
0: apparently, me and Mendel put like real time into talking about this at one point and I'm like yeah sounds like us <laughs> Um okay Perry here's the question that I told you I wasn't going to give you any prep for what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given
2: oh man yeah that's a, that's a tough question to not have any <laughs> prep time for isn't it you're welcome um, what's the best piece of advice
1: for? if Jim's there just turn around and get his attention and see what the first thing Jim says is and that is by default the best piece of advice <laughs>
2: <laughs> i won't do that he's looking he's, he actually really gave me a bit of a glare there i've never seen that from jim quite intimidated um i i feel like it's an obvious one it's probably not something someone's told me um specifically but i think just like just do what makes you happy like it feels like a very obvious thing but i think a lot of people find motives for their life decisions um whether that's like money or um, power or stuff like this, I don't know what people do stuff for, but just do stuff that makes you happy. Do you know, what I mean, whatever that is, don't don't be afraid to be yourself and do stuff that you want to do, regardless of what other people think.
1: Is you what know. makes you happy? Trash talking for your own amusement? <laughs> uh,
2: to you specifically, yes. So, well, in his defense, you shouldn't defile them.
0: Um, <laughs> is that the piece of advice you'd give to younger basketball players, or do you have anything else for
2: them? Um, yeah, I think the same the same yeah I actually would but yeah the same thing I think I have you know with Charlie on my team this year and I've spoken about this with quite a few guys in the team but he just gets so much advice like all the time and I think that can be a thing where you give too much advice to younger players and they get so many different things from different directions but you just kind of have to yeah do, do what you think is going to make you happy what what do you want to do that's going to bring you enjoyment um you know that's not to say along the way there's going to be times that are, difficult and tough in a journey and whatever. But um, yeah, ultimately that's, what's important, isn't it? People you want to be, you want to be happy, don't you? That's, that's basically it. Yes.
0: I just want to push stones up hills, watch them roll down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, last question. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on a basketball court? Um, I didn't. Okay.
2: This one you did give me warning about, and I had, <laughs> I warned
0: him about this, but not the
2: deep philosophical. Yeah. Because is... I'm not great. Yeah. Around. <laughs> um, so I had I I shout out one of my my current teammates one of my favourite people is Christy Christy Gregan who the boy just what a what a lovely man he is by the way um but one of my, I think you were at this tournament as well Mark so you this may uh may well ring a bell for you um but it was in Zaragoza at the uh, under twenty two junior European Championships I can't remember what game it was but Christy. Uh, had caught a rebound under his own basket or in fact maybe even just got an inbound but he had the ball in his own key with no pressure um, everyone else both defence and offence had got up the court and um, without anyone kind of seemingly noticing he just dropped the ball on his own footplate and it, it was slowly dribbling out of bounds and he just raced to get it like just got there in time, saved the ball in this dramatic way when no one else was around not even watching and then dri- dribbled the ball up the other end and again seemingly no one paid attention and he just rolled straight to the basket somehow down the middle of the key and scored a layup which prompted George Bates to scream coast to coast uh, and just absolutely killed me at the time and I've watched it back several times and I, I, do I, remember,
1: like, I remember we had the whatsapp group for everybody who was at the Zaragoza tournament and it was like the entire whatsapp group was just like hey guys be here by this time then it be Like hours of silence, then it'd be like, guys, dinner by this time. And then within like eight minutes of finishing that game, there was just like a screen record of Christy on that dribbling sequence. I think it was George who posted that. And it was like, Yeah, this is, I this, is it was. this group. I like
0: that. That's great. All right, that's the end of the questions on therefore for the end of the podcast. Perry, you're the man. Thanks for being here. Mark, do you have anything to say for yourself?
1: No, uh, you've you've put up. Put up a good fight, Perry. You've been a, a worthy foe. And thank you for indulging my, my need to get into some conflict occasionally because James always just, just lets me to do it and I have to rant into the void.
2: More than happy to give you some wheat trash talk every now and again. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Cheers.
0: Cool. Should we hit record? No, I'm only joking. Uh, Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll be back whenever we can rope someone else into doing this. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Bye. Peace.